Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're gonna love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with, at the moment, Succession, and of course, our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bohm, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we're talking about a lot of things today, but we're talking about two new, what I would call quite ambitious shows that have just launched on Binge. That's right, John. We have got Mrs. Davis, which I will not try and summarise up front because I think we'll need a whole segment to talk about this very unique and awesome um, new series. We've got Fight on Mars, a new adult animation from HBO Max. We will cover Succession, of course, a recap of Episode 5, but we'll do that at the end of the pod so that with a spoiler warning in advance, so if you haven't seen it yet, you can listen and, and drop off at the end. And then dinner party recommendations, and I don't think I've ever had a harder time picking one because we're going into a busy period of TV and there is a lot to recommend. So should we get stuck into it? Yeah, let's head to Reno for Mrs. Davis. It is a machine. She wants to talk. Talk, 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 talk to you. If I say no, it's just going to send someone else, isn't it? Probably. You are the only person on the planet who can fulfill this quest. You must locate the Holy Grail. The what now? Created by Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof, the brand new genre-defying series Mrs. Davis is a battle between faith and technology that one reviewer has described as a live-action Looney Tunes adventure. (laughs) Ali, as you said, this one is a little hard to describe. Confusingly, it's the opening scenes are in the 1300s before quickly jumping forward to not quite present day. I think it says present. No, 2023. Yeah, it says present day, but it's like maybe present day slightly more technologically advanced than we are right now. But very broad strokes. The show stars Betty Gilpin as a nun who is in this sort of battle with uh, almighty AI. So think something like Siri or Alexa or like chat GPT, almost this like person that you can ask anything and it's all knowing. And she sort of refuses to engage with the AI while the rest of us are just loving or the AI-ness that has entered our worlds. When she does eventually speak to the AI, it gives her this quest to go on, which sets her off on this adventure. I think that's the basis of the show. I think that's as simply yeah. as I can put it. So Mrs. Davis is not the lead character played by Glow's Betty Bilpin, yeah, who is the nun. Mrs. Davis is Siri, effectively. Yeah. That's the name of the AI that's driving everybody. But it's a little bit more than Siri in that she gives you advice at any point in time. So you're actually living in quite a safe time where there aren't wars and famines because everyone turns to Mrs. Davis to say, what do I do in this situation? So people's addiction to her is because she's problem solving. So she's actually helping them. So they're almost being masked, I think, from the technology that she's providing. And the nun, I suppose, is almost the divine, the unknowable, the undefinable thing that makes humanity, you know, non-machine-like. So you almost have, yeah, the nun versus technology and boiling it down to simple terms. But the other thing I think about this is the creators, you reference them at the beginning, but you've got people behind Big Bang Theory, Young Sheldon, merged with Lost and Watchmen, plus a big dose of like a Westworld kind of vibe. So this is science fiction, 
but it's funny. And that's, I think, where some of this genre bending stuff comes into it because it really does jump around. It's got a cool dose of, I think, the Looney Tunes is probably because there's a little bit set in the desert outside Reno, Vegas vibe. Yeah, and um, also quite, like, comical, like, explosions and, like, hiding under rocks. Yes, like you're looking for the roadrunner. Yeah, you're watching it and you're kind of like, oh, like, it's a bit jarring because it's, like, it's serious and it's dealing with these big topics, but then they, like, get to a big boulder and they open it up and they hide underneath. And it's, like, yeah. the Looney Tunes reference that I saw one reviewer give I thought was both useful but then also confusing because <laughs> the rest of the show is not like that. And it's sci-fi, isn't it? Yeah. So, it, you know, this is an interesting point because sci-fi, sometimes you can be watching something that is very normal. If you think of like an Outsiders, an HBO crime show that's trying to solve a crime, it's quite contained in the storyline. Ben Mendelsohn, totally watch it. But it's got this, this sci-fi blend in it. Or you can have science fiction-y things that just push you to the edge of comfort but they're putting it in front of you because it's making you look like everyday life. This is using technology as the science fiction and it's trying to say where do you get comfortable with the science or the technology component. So there were parts of this that I was really uncomfortable with because, yeah, I'm a bit uncomfortable with some of this where it becomes helpful and where you get addicted to it. And I think, if anything, they're probably trying to tell us that technology is the thing we should be frightened of. The mass majority of people are just happily swinging down the middle, Pleasantville style, not really realising what's going on with Mrs. Davis. Yeah, I think four episodes are out at the moment and each time I think I've got a grasp of like either the the like allegory that they're going for or the point that they're going for, they kind of like rip it out from under you again. So, you know, and I think on first watch initially you might be like, oh, this is about our addiction to social media or this is about our addiction of reliance on technology. But then something more ambitious and crazier gets introduced and you're like, oh, now I don't know what's happening. And on the surface, it is this search for the Holy Grail. But that's, of course, not at all what the show is actually Uh, about. So talking about the the people behind this show, we've got Damon Lindelof, most famously known for Lost. So when you talk about a show, when you're watching it, I mean, back in the day when we had Lost, it was on network television, 22 apps dropping one a week, half the year. That was a show where you would get to the end of a Thursday night. I remember it used to screen on Channel 7. You get to the end of the episode and go, what is going on? And you used to, every week in TV magazine, they'd be like, what happened in Lost this week? This is water coolery in that regard because I think fans, to your point, will be like, what is this trying to tell me? And I thought it was maybe saying this and it feels like it will get talked about as it goes on. They've dropped four at the very beginning. Yeah, We've got four episodes now and then it's going to be weekly for the last four weeks. So there's a bit of time for this to build a little bit but I felt like he needed a few episodes at the beginning to really land what the world they were dropping you in yeah and they also they set up a lot of storylines the second episode sort of starts with the nun's childhood so you kind of see where she gets to where she is now and why she's a nun and things like that yeah it's fascinating I feel like there's going to be lots of articles written about this because it touches on so many different things I think people are in the way that we do when we watch television you're like trying to find the like meaning or the point or where or like what it's winking at or something. And this show is doing so many things that I think we're not going to know where it's heading until we get there. But that's part of the fun because it is so, so unique. Don't you think it's really interesting though, from a creative perspective, you've got a television sitcom writer in Tara who understands structures and beats and all the things that a lot of sci-fi don't do because they can kind of go off in their own genre in their own television telling universe with Damon who fans of HBO shows will know from the leftovers if you love the leftovers please 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 try Mrs Davis but equally Westworld Watchmen there's so many reference points there'll be a lot of people coming into this show just because of Lost but the way those 
two creative minds come together in this and definitely feels like it could really go on and become something very returnable. Yeah. What do you think it is about those two coming together? Because that also makes this series feel quite unique, don't you reckon? No, totally. Totally. Because I think even in the trailer, when you go like from the producers of The Leftovers and The Big Bang Theory, like they're very different shows, which is also part of the fun of this. I read a review or, or an interview with Damon and Tara and this show was conceived during COVID. And I think it does seem like they're genuinely able to learn things off each other in the way they've created this show. And I think that's what makes it so fascinating is smashing together Mm. these people that have quite different TV backgrounds. Like The Big Bang Theory is traditional multi-camera sitcom network television and Damon Lindelof at least more recently in his career has been winning every Emmy for Watchmen beloved cult hit leftovers like these are really different worlds coming together and you can see that on screen yeah this show is just so unique it's hard to talk about so just go watch it baby go watch it yeah because <laughs> yeah. it could be really broad genius sci-fi and yeah. it finds a really big broad audience but really good acting instantly likable characters I was really in for the character storyline as well there's it sounds a bit like there's a lot going on. The beginning in in the 1300s is really brief and then you do drop into 2023. But there is quite a lot of stuff being set up in those first episodes. So I think it's also helpful to have a few to get stuck into at the beginning. Yeah, and outside of Betty Gilpin, who obviously is the lead of the show, there's some other great performances, including Margot Martindale, David Arquette, Ben Chaplin, and Jake McDormand is sort of her accomplice on this journey. But yeah, lots of recognisable faces. Like we said, the first four episodes of Mrs. Davis are streaming for you right now, and then new episodes are streaming each Friday, leading up to the finale on May 18th. So what now? Mrs. Davis is all-knowing and all-powerful. She not only knows you're coming for her, but she wants you to. Then I better get going. Based on a 2016 short film, Fight on Mars is a new adult animation following a graphic designer who is fired from his corporate job, which just happens to leave him stranded on Mars. Awesome to finally meet you, Jeff. We're actually making a few tweaks to the structure. We're putting your job on hold. It seems like maybe this could have been sorted out before sending me to Mars. What am I supposed to do now? We're going to need you to trust the process on this one, bud. So, Ali, again, another sort of ambitious and interesting show that we have this week. Like I said, fairly normal premise. Guy has a regular job, graphic designer, loses his job. That's a pretty big, like, uh, what do they call it in storytelling? Like inciting incident where your life goes off in a new direction. (laughs) The only difference with Fired on Mars, of course, is his cubicle-based graphic design job is on Mars, which is a one-way trip. You can't go back to Earth once you move to Mars. Yeah, it's basically a workplace sitcom, adult animation, just happens to be based on Mars. I don't even know if it's science fiction because there aren't, like aliens or time travel or anything it's like a corporate sitcom in a very odd location so i watched the first two and i i was sad because it's very clever uh it really made me think to me it's almost like you don't need to go to mars to realize that if you give your whole life to work whether you're on planet earth or planet mars you will not have a complete existence and it just i thought i know he's the character jeff who's the lead who's played by um, or voiced by Luke Wilson. He's a really solid, nice person. He's the kind of person you want in your organisation because he provides soft edges and he's kind and 
he fills in the voids that stop work being such a transactional experience. And it's effectively saying there isn't room for that kind of personality. And in doing so, the characters that, you know, the bosses and the people that make you redundant, you know, there's the Silicon Valley bro with their puffy vests playing golf kind of crap, which I've come across a million times in my career, that kind of group in the office. And then there's HR speak. They've even renamed HR department, the Department of Dream Visualization. Dream Spiration or something. Dream Spiration, <laughs> yeah. which you also just, it's so sad because yeah. you know that no matter how things get spun sometimes. And then he tries to explain the department as being like a paintbrush and the office being a canvas. And then someone's like, (laughs) it's just HR. (laughs) It's just HR. So it was so clever and biting, but the fact that the lead is just this guy that you want to be friends with. He's the kind of person, if you were at work, you'd go out for a drink with, or if he left, you would go to his farewell drinks because you like him. Like, And it's kind of really saying there's not a lot of space for Jeff's you know, in these kind of corporate structures now and it made me really sad. Um, And I just get really panicky thinking I need to get back to earth. So I don't know, hopefully over this we see a lot more of that. But it also was really talking, I think, at its core about what is purpose and people need purpose. And And, well, they need more than just a purpose through work. A lot of people get happiness and enjoyment and passion out of their jobs. But I think part of the point of this show, I think, is even with that, if you're stranded on Mars and you don't have your friends and family and stuff, there's there's more to it. I did really like, uh, it wasn't even a review, I think it was just a tweet where someone called it King of the Hill meets Severance. And obviously Ooh. like Severance, Severance <laughs> is also a, like a, obviously a really biting take on work life and what you physically and literally give up to work and things yeah. like that. King of the Hill and Severance, if either of those are of interest to you, I think Fired on Mars is something you should check out. Yeah, it's really clever. And don't be put off by me, me saying it makes you sad. It just it made me think. It really made me think. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes because after he gets fired and he gets another kind of role, he he finds purpose, but it's almost short-term purpose as well because he keeps putting his purpose into the job rather than into Jeff. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a clever allegory, but um, let's see where it goes. Yeah. Well, outside of Luke Wilson, I did just want to mention, because uh, he's like the HBO MVP at the moment, you will also <laughs> recognise the voice of Stephen Root on this series, who this week alone, besides being on Fired on Mars and being a lead in Barry, also made an appearance in last week's Succession. So Stephen Root is a very busy yes. man. Don't we have Pete Davidson attached to this one as well? Yes, Pete's got a small role in this one. A lot of familiar voices, not faces on this one. Um, But also just speaking of animations, we do have a really, what I, I guess, like eclectic adult animation collection on Binge. So mm. I just want to quickly shout out some others. We talked about Velma. We've talked about The Critic. Every week we drop new episodes of The Great North, which if you're a Bob's Burgers fan is sort of from that same cinematic universe we've got harley quinn and of course just like faves like adventure time and daria but yeah we've got a really nice mix of animations for all ages on on, on binge so yeah yeah and some more coming later in the year that we'll yes talk about yes soon too. some cool yeah. new adult animation on the way um but yeah like we said the first two episodes of fight on mars are streaming for you now with new episodes coming out each thursday on binge we must soothe by any means necessary what's happening space man Gave Ted the job? Right. Jesus, Jeff! We got that Marsley swagger. You ready to be my true blue go-to guy? It's just like well-behaved men rarely make history. 
before we talk about succession this week, should we do our dinner party recommendations so that anyone that hasn't caught up with succession can hear our recommendations before dropping off? Although I know we've got so many Uber fans, I'm assuming most are up to date with succession, but what do you reckon? Change the order? Yeah, yeah, cool. Let me ask you, so many new things and old faves on Binge. What is your dinner party rec this week? I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for a year. Somebody Somewhere, which was one of my favourite shows from 2022, which is a comedy from HBO, is back this week. Episodes dropping weekly. It's like a big warm hug and I thought it stood out so much in the schedules of what we saw and of the shows of last year because the tone was kind of right for where people found themselves post-COVID. Some brilliant performances. Bridget Everett, a stand-up comedian, stars, writes. This is really her vehicle and her project, but just a beautiful collection of other characters in it. So that is back this week and I will be watching on the day. Cannot wait. What is that? It's your birthday cake. Looks like a cow patty. <laughs> just saw mom. Jesus Christ. Your husband left you and you never even had a husband. Oh my God, I'm gonna pull into a semi in about five minutes. I had planned to mention just very quickly two films this week with watching Fight on Mars and Mrs. Davis, both really high concept, interesting shows. It did turn my mind to The Truman Show, which Mm -hmm. of course I love and we have on binge and I feel like it's like I've probably watched it more than any other film. Oh, really? Yeah, it's one of my favourite films of all time, I think, because, you know, I love films about television, obviously. (laughs) Can't, (laughs) Can't get too far away from TV. But the other film that I sort of stumbled on on Binge, uh, because we have so many films, um, and you mentioned it earlier in this podcast, Pleasantville. Morning, kids. Better get a move on or you'll be late for school. I put blueberries in them just the way you like. We're in Pleasantville? No! We're supposed to be in school. We're supposed to be in colour? It's also in that Truman Show world, sort of. Yeah. Um, Toby Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, sort of fall into a 1950s television series. Um, but yeah, this just the high conceptness of Mrs. Davis and Fire to Mars and what we what I was watching this week in preparation for the podcast just got me thinking about those films, which oh. we both have on binge, um, and are definitely worth worth a revisit. So yeah, that were my dinner party recs this week. But shall we head to Norway to hang out with the Swede? Oh, let's please let's go, Scandy. Succession time. My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Kurt just called me soy boy. You lack killer instinct. You're wet, you're green, you're intellectually insecure. I'm proud of my family. Your principles? So we are up to season four, episode five. Kill list. <laughs> that means we're running. We're halfway through. We are halfway that means we've through. We've got five more episodes left. Oh yes. So, if you are listening to this pod on Monday, this episode has just been released. It's a goodie. It's a goodie. It's visually beautiful. Basically, the entire gang fills up their two private jets. Yeah, I never knew they had two. They've got two. And they head to Norway to see the Swede, and it's a beautiful location. This this yeah, show, my God. this show, I'd obviously, go this is a globe trotting show, but they do take us to some amazing venues where some great like corporate retreats seem to seem to get done or like conferences and things which is you know where all the world's richest people seem to do their deals on mountaintops and gondolas gondola oh yeah there's a a lot of gondola action actually in this episode (laughs) the ce bros as i as they're briefly (laughs) referred to kendall and roman are quite confident in their abilities as ceos even though they've only done it for 24 hours. They keep talking about how well everything's going. And yeah, you can see the two of them and Shiv uh, and, you know, the old guard as they're called in Norway trying to sell the beers to Matson. Yeah. So where we finished the last episode was um, when they were endorsed as the CEOs, it was with the 
requirement to the board still wanted them to get this deal done. But as you remember, right before Logan died, it was that they wanted more money for the deal, but the deal didn't include ATN. That was going to be their beautiful news empire that was left on the table and they just kind of sold all, everything else. That's what Logan wanted because really ATN was his core heart and soul, but it also came together with the kids' acquisition of Pierce because dad was going to have ATN, they were going to have Pierce and they were still going to have two big dogs in the game in the news business, I suppose. So, yeah, they're all off to kind of execute what the board want, which is getting this deal done. And, of course, the deal doesn't get done. So that's what happens in the episode. Well, think, does it? Because Well, yeah, that's true. It's actually. kind of like I think go the way we expect. when they're in the gondola, <laughs> I think Kendall writes down a number that they want. It took my brain too long. I was like, $144 billion? Like I thought that like there's no way Waste or Roku is worth $144 billion. And then I realised they were talking about like price per share. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they were like, we want $147 or something like 144 yeah per yeah. per share take it off the table sell it and then ken and roman basically have a fight with matson matson says he wants atn so that's the thing they thought they were holding on to and what they thought they were going to build their new sort of post waste mm-hmm. roco news business around matson says he wants it all we see alexander skarsgård urinate on the side of a mountain and basically they kill the deal. So what's interesting about that power play is that I thought that scene was just such a brilliant piece of business insight because we're effectively at the level, and Nicholas Braun told us this when he was out. I was thinking out, this exact cousin thing. Cousin Greg. Yeah. He's like, you know, what happens at this level, what he's learned about this business world and these kind of wealthy individuals is how much happens by an individual over a phone call. No one's running out and having little powwows. No one's on a computer typing up the value. It's big people, big personality people with power coming together and making decisions sometimes on the spot so straight away it's pointing to kind of some of the weaknesses in this structure like he's trying to work out and use his power play moves to like who's the brother that's really going to control this how different are the brothers Kendall wants to go the other way he wants to kill the deal he wants to keep his business he's almost like I'm Logan Roy I'm going to take it all back and just do it myself everyone else is somewhat um, in the middle the board want them to sell and Shiv is like get rid of all of it but it's kind of a disrespectful move because by bringing ATN in, yes, he bumps up the price, but it's the thing that their dad wanted. And to your point, it leaves them without really anything left to run. So then it poses the question of who are they now? They might cash out and get everything, everything sold under this structure. And ultimately, if they take everything in the sale, then they'll probably need a lot of them to hang around to run it. Whereas is it worse to merge these two companies and not know their spot? What comes out here is that there's plenty of flaws in the structure of the company that that is taking them over as well. Like, it's almost like he's a younger version of Logan Roy and he's got his own really flawed and quite stuffed up corporate shit going on, don't you reckon? I was just like, yeah. oh, I kind of thought he was this clean, cool guy. And he's no, like, he's a bit like he. it's increasingly you're realising he's a bit of a train wreck. He's obviously very young and successful, but then that also means no one's ever told him no or what to do. But the title of this episode, Kill List, comes from who's going to keep their jobs in a potential merger sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see on the plane ride home, Jerry gets sent through a sort of preliminary, uh, not confirmed sort of kill list of what potential roles will go. Because, you know, when there's a merger, obviously, if you have two heads of comms or two CFOs, usually one of them goes or there's some sort of yeah, normally the bigger company takes the priority yeah. of, the, of, the, of the big roles, yeah. So one of the realisations on the plane ride home is if this deal does happen, it sounds like a lot of Waystar Roco's very long-standing employees are not going to have a job anymore. And to your point and Nicholas Braun's point, 
this all happened because like three bros on a mountain like had a conversation <laughs> but it wasn't really what made the deal happen it wasn't the three bros on the mountain no it was one bro and a sister yes what comes together here is the same reason back in season two that Pierce liked Shiv and yes she hasn't worked in the business and she doesn't have you know some of the components of personality as Logan and her brother's but she's palatable and she's malleable and you can imagine how she could work as a bridge between these businesses. Yeah. And it's really the puppet strings she's doing in the background that the boys and the brothers aren't really that aware about, aware of, which in itself is really bad because you're sending mixed messages. Maybe it's brilliant, maybe it's crazy, but you're kind of splitting your leverage by not holding the line. But ultimately where this episode lands is the beginning of the uprising of, of Madame Siobhan, I would say. Yeah. And I think we said a few weeks ago, what's coming next? Will Tom and Shiv get back together? What is the role of Greg and Tom? And it's all of Shiv's camp. If you think back over the seasons, the people that supported her, the way Jerry's kind of, I know Jerry's her godmother, but they've been on and off, but like it's all the more reasonable, less Logan-like people that yeah. are on the kill list. The Shiv, the Shiv Matson scene was really interesting. And like brilliant. It, even the, the sort of two people she mentions, like Jerry and Carolina, they get saved. It's like you yep. can see Matson really gets Shiv and you can see sort of the power moving. One, well, like, she can help him. And yeah. if someone... And he's completely so burnt the bridge with the bros. He's already acknowledged what she could bring and how she can stabilise and aid and help in, in ways that he doesn't have. And if the brothers had thought that and if Logan had thought that, that's what's been missing this whole time. They haven't been able to understand how they could use this asset in Shiv for their benefit she doesn't fit in, so they've just cut her out. You know, I know Roman's trying to bring her in on this a little bit, but it just almost shows that with a different lens, like the president was when she was working on his campaign and everything, she does dissect the situation better than the rest of them do. I think her insights are better. Yeah, so- and one of her strengths has always been that she, like, doesn't care as much. <laughs> She'd be happy to sell it all. She'd be happy to keep it. Kendall and Logan and Roman definitely have much more of an emotional connection especially to the news part of the business and all these other things where she can kind of see past that a little bit. And I think that's an attraction to Matson and, and other people because I think at one point she was like, yeah, fine, sell it. Like, whatever, let's yeah. move on with our lives. She has a life to move on to. Kendall and Roman don't like that. And that's, yeah. So true. Yeah. And then what was it with her asking Tom for dinner at the end? I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. Like she's already... Oh. You can see her brain ticking over and be like, okay, I'm going to run this new business and, yeah, anyway. I think it's a reverse takeover because if what he said to her in their little one-on-one is true and he's covering up a massive issue. Yeah. So what did he say? He he don't gave it half a litre of his blood to his direct report who he's in a relationship with. Yeah. <laughs> the relationship soured. So his whole business might be about to blow up. And if there's anyone that knows how to do a reverse takeover from within, it's yeah. Jerry and Shiv. So I don't know. I think this is going to be really interesting. Yeah. And yeah. outside of all the sort of great plot of this, I think it's worth reiterating, just the fact that they decided to all set this on the like the, a clifftop in Norway was just inspired, <laughs> I think, because, yeah, there's just something about doing this stuff in such dramatic locations that just elevates the whole thing. The other thing on this that I just thought was was brilliant was what the scenery is telling us. So the I don't know if you had this, but... The opening scenes of this episode start with Kendall. He's driving in the car. He's his first day walking into Waystar Royco as co-CEO. 
and he's in his black blacked out car driving through the streets of New York listening to rap music and then there's a lingering shot of him as he gets out of the car and walks into the lobby and I I had a moment where I was like oh has it picked up the wrong episode and it's dropped me back in a previous season because it was like in season one when he's in the car listening to rap music like a real little jerk on his way down to like try and get that deal done at the very first season and I just thought here we are years later he actually now is the boss. He's playing his rap music. He's getting all sucked up. and But he still seemed like this little boy lost walking in going, can you do this? And I just, it so it instantly had me on the back foot going, I don't think he's right, you know, because yeah. it, it just reminded me so much of that early season. And then obviously off to the big world out there and it takes you to these exotic locations. Did, I heard somebody or I read something in this last week about succession and they were saying that we should have known that Connor's wedding was going to be crazy because at the end of season one there was a wedding at the end of season two there was the big boat scene and obviously this death happens with a wedding on a boat and we've been missing all these easter eggs what other easter eggs are we missing john what are we not realizing going in that we'll be sitting here in a few weeks and going damn you weren't paying attention yeah i don't know they uh, they the succession does love to like ruin an event <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> like ruin someone's personal event with some business drama. Um, so maybe we should have expected that on Connor's wedding that there's no way it would have just been a Okay, wedding. I just thought. But... So season episode 10, depends how long time goes, Tom and Shiv in the birthing ward. Yeah. And the deal does comes in or something happens. Like yeah. Got to... But like we said, um, this was episode five, which means we've got five more episodes to go. <laughs> Uh, new episodes of Succession are released Mondays on Binge at 11am Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and the finale is on May 29th. So just enjoy it while you can, guys. Just <laughs> soak it all in. And look, I know this show, is there are people that are massive fans and people that aren't. There's so many layers to it. So it's, um yeah, a favorite highlight of the week every week. So five more weeks of highlights, hey? This week on Skip Intro, we discussed Mrs. Davis, Fired on Mars, Ali recommended that you check out somebody somewhere. I suggest season two, season two, and season one. And season watch, one, watch yeah. it all. Um, it's I, back! It's back! It's back! <laughs> yeah. Uh, I recommended that you revisit or check out for the first time uh, the Truman Show and Pleasantville, two two little films that are streaming on Bitch. Uh, and then, of course, it wouldn't be an episode of Skip Intro at the moment without us talking about Succession, um, which of course has new episodes rolling out Mondays. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bourne, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. Listener.